All right, our first show of 2023 and our last this season for your Los Angeles Rams. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this season finale of Rams All Access. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long. How are you, my friend? Uh, good. Weird. Rarefied air we're in, right? Tough week for lots of reasons, but... Uh, Tough, yeah. Um, usually, I'm like, I would be ready for the week after the end of the season, right? I'm not ready for this to end, but man, this has been one long season this year going from Super Bowl to 11 losses and then what happened to the the player in uh in Buffalo it's just it's been an odd year it's been a real real strange year so um if this is the last show then so be it yeah there so you and I parted ways Monday at the facility we go home Monday night football happens uh DeMar Hamlin uh suffers that tragic injury that hopefully will have a redemptive and a positive ending I don't want to push you towards any thoughts or comments that you're not comfortable sharing publicly, but to the extent that you are willing to comment, where are you with all that? What was your reaction? How has it impacted you over the last few days? Same as you. I mean, I, I'm still worried about his 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 health, his safety. You know, the one thing you do know now, this is the NFL, and anything that can be done is being done. He's he's getting the best care that money can buy, so uh, that you can feel comfortable uh, about. But I mean. I guess I'm over the impact of it, you know, like the actual hit and what happened. I'm just more worried about him getting better from this. But, you know, some of the takes that we've gone through and just what's been happening in the media since has been crazy, you know? It's it's really been strange. Um, the takes we've had, the, the things people have had to say about this, and it's just been crazy. But I guess that's just the world we live in. Yeah, I've been thankful just to be able to keep my head down and to listen to those who matter and those who have insight and to keep, I think, the proper pathways clear for positive updates like we've seen uh, overnight Wednesday into Thursday and throughout Thursday morning. Hopefully things are trending and will continue to trend in the right direction, uh, including the fact that uh, DeMar is responsive, now awake, is even uh, able to communicate. That's all really good stuff. Let me make one more point. I mean, when I was a kid, uh, Jack Tatum was the scariest person on the planet to me. I mean, I would have put him next to Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers because he was a ferocious, hard-hitting safety and he paralyzed a guy. And I remember the hit. The hit stayed in my in, in my my brain forever. Like this could happen to me. Daryl Stingley getting uh, paralyzed on the field. I remember when Mark Bonacani broke his neck and how he did it. And uh, I think his name was was Utley in uh, Detroit. He fell straight on his head, broke his neck, and was never able to walk again. So uh, we we've seen tragedy and, and things like this happen before. Never with a guy on the field getting CPR and fighting for his life. But we've seen guys that are really really hurt and you do have to compartmentalize and pick yourself up and move on to the next play, next game, next week, uh, what have you. So I guess how I've been trained and how my brain works, I am getting ready for Sunday, but I have not forgotten what what happened, and I will never forget what I saw, but you have to move on from it. Hmm. Let's get a sampling from the Rams facility uh, and let those closest to the game speak to their thoughts and emotions as they prepare for a trip to Seattle. Let's start with the head coach, Sean McVay, who was asked uh, to your sentiment, if it is tough to get ready to play this week uh, with all the emotion uh, surrounding his coaching staff and his players. Yeah, I I think it is. I mean, I think you don't minimize, you know, what a big deal that is and how important it is. Um, You know, and then I think with the appropriate emotion and empathy, you know, you you try to, you know, you don't ever say that you're going to just be, you know, normal as is. I think you acknowledge it. 
Um, but you do have to be able to move forward in the right way while also being understanding of the, um, the amazing range of emotions that I'm sure so many different people are feeling. Um, you know, and, and that's, that's the best way that I know how to go about it is, is you know, asking the right questions, um, but also then making sure you have the appropriate understanding and then, and then how do we best heal and move forward the right way while not ever minimizing what a serious thing this is. Rams head coach Sean McVay uh, taking the podium just moments after Bobby Wagner finished. And DeMarco, you know that much of our conversation tonight is going to be about Wagner, uh, his return trip to Lumen Field in Seattle. Uh, But before he fielded questions about the rematch with the Seahawks, of course, he addressed uh, DeMar Hamlin's injury and his experience in the league, some of the things he's witnessed and how it's impacted him. I've been around this game for a long time. I've watched um, Cliff Averill you know, have a neck injury. I watched Cam uh, Chancellor have a neck injury off of routine plays or things that, you know, didn't seem like big deals at the time. But, you know, after practice or after, you know, the game and you got the test, you realize that, you know, they were one move or one hit away from something serious happened. And it's the, it's the game that we play. And, you know, I think it's important that people realize that, you know, we have – pads we have helmets we have all these different things we work out we look big but we are humans at the end of the day and we are real people at the end of the day and we go through a lot of things that we talk about and unfortunately we go through a lot of things that we don't talk about so uh, again like I said my, my, my mentality is pretty strong my mindset is pretty strong that was Bobby Wagner and we'll hear more from him uh, throughout our Rams All Access tonight Lord uh, Vader <laughs> <laughs> The good news is the reports are trending in a great direction, which is uh, by no means to say that we are out of the woods, but that uh, the latest we've heard as of this show is that DeMar Hamlin, upon waking up, was able to ask his doctors in writing, did we win the game? Uh, See, And that they were able to communicate to him clearly that, uh, yes, you won, you won the game of life. You know, I just thought about it listening to Sean McVay, and it's, it's hard, especially on the defensive side. Uh, he is a safety. And, you know, as a coach, when you see on film your player kind of choke it down running through contact or he gets run over, you have to coach that guy to be more aggressive. That's your job. That's going to be hard now. I mean, that's 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 going to be hard for that side of the football to tell a guy, and you have these different slogans. I need you to be like an arrow through snow. Go through a guy. Well, wait a minute. You might have to take a half step back now and let that guy make his own decisions. It's just going to be weird moving forward uh, from this point with uh, defensive players and guys that are in those high collision areas. And we don't know the full details of medically what transpired, but uh, some of what has been described so far, I've been reading and um, it's been illuminating. And yes, football is a uniquely violent sport and it's the one that we cover, but apparently uh if it does turn out to be this one particular condition, it happens quite a bit in other sports, relatively speaking. Statistically rare, but it happens, uh, for instance, getting hit by a pitch in baseball or by a, a line drive in, in the chest cavity. You said that you've seen something simpler, uh, similar happen in, uh, in your years observing hockey, yeah. too. And that makes sense. A Chris slap shot. Was a, he's, on, he's about 6'6", six, six with shoes on. With skates, he's like 7 feet tall. And caught a slap shot right to the chest and dropped just like Hamlin did. Mm. And what we heard afterwards, the puck had knocked his heart out of rhythm. And you think, like, good Lord, how hard was that thing? You know, and this is the sport you chose to play? But, yeah, I mean, the guy's a Hall of Famer now. I mean, I agree with uh, the doctors and the sentiment they expressed, apparently, upon uh, Hamlin coming to, which is you you won. You won at the game of life. Uh, But I I think 
the next step in that conversation is going to be and we stopped playing football and that was the right thing to do because you were more important and we salute the medical professionals who helped save your life and by the way tomorrow you wake up from this tragedy with six maybe seven million dollars of charitable impact uh that you can now disperse and touch lives and that sports fans and even those who are not attached to the game or even sports around the country um have rallied around you have prayed for you have have gotten to know you and your good deeds and all that you're going to accomplish hopefully uh, as you and your loved ones continue through life uh, since there is no way to segue back to the football field uh, we found that out the hard way this week and we're still working through from a league standpoint how things are all going to sort themselves out at the tail end of this 2022 season why don't we step aside here we'll pause we'll take a commercial break um, and then in the spirit that is proper we will preview rams and seahawks in the season finale after this on rams all access 710 espn to Seattle, the Rams go to wrap up week 18 and a disappointing season, but a chance to do it on a positive note and to knock one of their rivals out of the postseason picture. DeMarco Farr, JB Long with you. Uh, it's been another season of highs and lows, more of the latter than the former, but the Rams have made some memories along the way, be it the come-from-behind thrilling win over the Raiders, be it the 50-burger with cheese, as DeMarco <laughs> likes to say on Christmas Day against the Denver Broncos. Last week was a step back, uh, and it seems like for every step forward the Rams have taken, there's been at least one, if not multiple, steps back. Uh, perhaps they can get back on that front foot to close out the year behind Baker Mayfield and Bobby Wagner as they go to face the Seahawks. What stands out to you, DeMarco, about this matchup? Austin Eckler kicked your butt. I just first that just stands out. I, Chargers running back. Oh my God! Most Did, uh, yeah. dismal run defense performance of the year by the Rams. He had a field day. He absolutely did. So I think that was just a hiccup, uh, a one game deal. Um, the stars were aligned they were prepared for their best day and the opposite and think about it i mean that might have been when you think about who started that football game for the rams and who played up front um you're talking about top line guys there's probably two or three on the field versus the chargers and it turned out the way it should uh if not if you didn't do that against the rams and what they fielded then you should fire your offensive coordinator immediately if you're the Chargers. I see what you're saying. Running through uh, an injured Marquise Copeland yes. and a Michael Hoyt and who else was out there? Jonah Williams. I don't want to disparage. I'm just saying. I no, mean, but it's... If, if the Rams were on the other side of that equation and they had a full complement of their offensive weaponry versus a defense full of second and third team guys, if they didn't run up and down the field, then fire everybody. And Greg Gaines is clearly battling through a bad shoulder he's not 100 percent, but it's supposed to be a sean aaron donald greg Gaines in a matchup like that uh, and it probably looks a little bit different so but. i was on the way out i was acknowledging the chargers fans good win congratulations good luck in the postseason but you shouldn't be hooping and hollering this much come on now this this was not the real la rams out there or don't use this as a litmus test for what's to come the rest of January. Exactly, yeah. Pump the brake a little bit, just a little tiny bit. From the Rams' standpoint, though, what a chance to respond against Ken Walker and a Seahawks rushing attack that has found its stride again. Remember the last time the Rams uh, faced the Seahawks? They had stumbled uh, a bit in their running game, and then Walker takes 130 to start the game. He pops it, gets hurt, and you really don't face the full force of the Seattle running game. It turned into more of a passing competition uh, with Geno Smith and, and DK Metcalf ultimately getting the game winner. This time around, though, I, I think you will have to stand the test of Walker and time um, and, and repetition 
in the handoff game. Oh, no doubt. The first place, first play versus the Jets. Didn't he break for like 60? Uh, so they're going to lean on him. And looking at the numbers, uh, he and Cam Akers have been the guys running the football the last two weeks. So why would that change? League-wide, you're saying. League-wide, yeah. yeah. Right. So why would that change? So, of course, they're going to try to run the football just like uh, the Chargers just did on you. So, And this could be worse. I mean, Eckler... I went in with some respect. I have even more respect, but I mean, is is, is Walker's success surprising to you based on what he did in college? No. no, this is what we thought he would be. So this is a guy that's getting nothing but better. So I would expect thirty to thirty-five carries out of this guy if I was a Rams fan or on that defense. Bobby Wagner needs ten tackles to become the Rams' single-season all-time leader, passing your guy James Laurinaitis. He gets to do it in seventeen games, but still, it's it's one thing to watch out for in his return to Seattle. Um, from the Rams' vantage point and their rushing attack, Akers has it going, uh, and he's he's putting it all on display in the passing game and pass protection, and with a physical downhill style that I think is undeniably different. And I can see now in retrospect where the conflict was. The Rams had built an offense around Matthew Stafford that was shotgun-oriented, empty, offset gun runs. And you can't tell me that Cam Akers was as comfortable in those formats as he is now in more two tight end sets with multiple pulling blockers in front of him. Baker Mayfield under center. He gets to see it from the dot. Like This is now an offense that seems to be tailored to his preferences as opposed to the way it was in the first half of the season. Well, which one do you like better? And that's weird because the shotgun offense won you a Super Bowl. But this one right now with the back of the dot is keeping you alive, keeping you afloat. So um, I think this one might be easier to tool, to to build around than the other one. Uh, but we'll see. But I, I do like this. Running backs, when they run the way Cam Akers is running, and he was absolutely killing Tranquil early in that game, running him over. Without good pursuit, he steps over him and probably scores. But what I do know is when you see running backs break long runs, watch the sideline. Watch them erupt. You have to. That guy is giving all he's got for you, and you want to show him. So I'm starting to see more guys pop off the bench when Cam Akers starts running over and through guys. So that tells me I don't need to know what happened. All I do know, it's getting better. He's talking better about them. They're talking better about him. And it's starting to show up on the on game day. Uh, he's still got a little vinegar to him, though. It's it's behind them, but it's not forgotten. He still has a chip on his shoulder as he goes to Seattle this week. He's DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long. Akers and the Rams are going to face a Seattle defense that has given up the third most rushing yards and the seventh most yards per carry this season. So it's been their weakness. And DeMarco, that was before their leading tackler, their Mike linebacker, Jordan Brooks, tore his ACL uh, in the second quarter of last week's win. So there's an opportunity to be had there, maybe in foul weather too, uh, against the Seattle D. It's funny, man. Pete Carroll, he's a defensive guy, right? This is where he made his bones. So he reminds me of like the old man of the sea with this old boat that's just about ready to sink. It's got like patch patches all over the place, but he's not ready to give it up. Look, he is not going to change what he does defensively. He is It's like a guy waiting for the right quarterback to come along and, and save his system. Pete Carroll is going to run that same cover three. He's going to have that same four-down mentality, gap-gap control. All I need is the right guy to take my defense to the next level. So, does not shock me that they're giving up this many rushing yards. But it's tough. They give ground grudgingly. you got to move them out. Because they can have great days against the run as well as bad days. 
They gave ground grudgingly, but not necessarily against the guy who's coming to town this week. Sean McVay, I think his favorite system to face, his favorite looks to go against are those of the Seattle Seahawks. Regardless of whether it's Ken Norton or Clint Hurts or Pete Carroll or whoever is orchestrating it, and no matter who his quarterback is, Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford, John Wolford, now Baker Mayfield, I think if you gave Sean a chance, like, hey, one game on the line, which defense do you want to see? That one. Yeah. It's funny, man. I mean, look, uh, Tampa Bay won a Super Bowl with that Tampa 2, and they refused to come out of it. They believe they've got you surrounded. And for the most part, they were right. Seattle was the same way with the Legion of Boom. We're going to stay in one front in coverage and make you have to run a slalom course through our defense to, to score points. I bet that drives guys like Sean McVay crazy because he feasts on that. Like, you have to fool him. You just can't line up in something and let me know what you're in and have success against me. So it does not surprise me that he relishes going against guys like Pete Carroll. You say the Legion of Boom. Is this the last echo, the last thing that has to be finished? Bobby Wagner going back to the Pacific Northwest? I think so. I mean, Sherman's on TV. Russell's having his own problems in in Denver. Um, Pete Carroll's still there. The architect is still there. But as far as the guys that step on the field, yeah. Bobby Wagner going back to put a bow on it. And it's not going to be pretty. Um, I am looking forward to him taking the field. I always look forward to watching him play, but I look forward to seeing him, the man who's never stepped out of character once since he's been here, to take that field with those fans with this uniform on. That's going to be something to watch. He's putting the bow on it, and so are we. Why don't we devote our fourth and final segment tonight to Bobby Wagner's return to Seattle. But coming up next, it's Four Down Territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. As we know, the Seahawks need a win, uh, and then they have to watch Sunday night football. Uh, for their hope in the postseason. Joe Fan is our guest, and he'll give us his perspective on where the Seahawks stand as they hope to secure a winning season. This is Rams All Access, a Week 18 edition on 710 ESPN. Welcome back to Rams All Access, our season finale. DeMarco Farr will rejoin us momentarily. I'm J.B. Long, and this is our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. Our guest this week... Uh, making his second appearance on the show this year, Joe Fan, who covers the Seahawks for Seattle Sports. Been a longtime uh, follower of the Seahawks, Pacific Northwest presence, continuing his career in Las Vegas. Now, Joe, good to have you back on the show. How are you? I'm great, JB. Happy New Year to you. Great to chat again. Likewise. And uh, I find it interesting that the schedule starts with Russell Wilson making his return to Seattle. And the NFL couldn't wait to get that one in prime time in week one on the front end. But here on the back end, the other bookend is Bobby Wagner's return. And given your uh, Seattle fandom, your roots, your connection to this franchise, I wonder if you could just offer us some context on what this homecoming means uh, to the 12s. You know, it's interesting. Um, you know, obviously Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson played such an integral role in the most successful period of, of the franchise's history. And they are, you know, Mount Rushmore types, well, you know, whether you like it or not, you know, and there's certainly plenty of people now who have decided they've soured on Russell Wilson. And of course his, his reception uh, returning to Lewin Field was not uh, the greatest. And he was very much the enemy wearing different colors. I don't think that's going to be the case with Bobby Wagner. I think what's interesting is, with Bobby Wagner moving on, the player took it much more personally than the organization and its fan base. Um, and uh, I think a lot of the fan base understood why they wanted to move on from a $20 million a year linebacker uh, who, who is aging. Um, 
But, you know, the player took it personally, and he said as much. He hasn't been, you know, and Bobby was never been one to mince words. And, you know, he's honest. He, he said it's, it's going to be hard against a team that gave up on me, and that's how I feel about it, where the Russell Wilson thing was, you know, it felt like the, the, the team and the fan base took it harder than the player, where, you know, Russ made it very apparent very quickly. He was all in in Denver and had moved on to his, you know, quote-unquote new girlfriend and, and sort of, left the Seahawks behind. And I think there were a lot of hurt feelings and, and sort of angst about that from the fan base side. So I expect his reception to be very warm, very welcoming, um, and a much different tone than what Russell Wilson experienced in week one. Let me go back in time, Joe. Uh, what did you make of the week 13 performance that Wagner authored against the Seahawks in a, a narrow loss, a DK Metcalf essentially walk-off touchdown? You know, JB, I, I, one, it's interesting that, you know, even in a, a lost year for the Rams, and I don't think anyone expected, even if you expected some regression from Los Angeles, no one expected this, and certainly the injuries have played such a big role. But, you know, it was no surprise that Sean McVay sort of owns Pete Carroll in the uh, the circle of power, uh, the, the flow chart of the Seahawks traditionally beating the Niners, the Niners traditionally beating the, the Rams, and the Rams traditionally beating the Seahawks. Um, you know, that game was far closer than I think most people expected. I, I didn't. I thought the Seahawks would come out and roll, and they didn't. They needed a last-minute touchdown drive from Geno Smith, who was sensational in that game. But, yeah, Bobby Wagner was a monster. And you know what? I think we get lost in a lot of narratives uh, around games in terms of previewing them. But my favorite narrative of all is the revenge game. And there is no doubt Bobby Wagner woke up that morning ready to dominate, and and he did. He was sensational. It was vintage Bobby. Uh, and not to say he hasn't had a great year overall with the Rams, because he has. He showed he's very much a, a capable linebacker still, but but he was downright dominant, all pro level uh, in that game, and, and almost single-handedly won it for the Rams. Um, so, yeah, I would expect much more of the same, um, you know, on Sunday in terms of, of where his head's at. Joe Fan is our guest on Rams All Access. This is Four Down Territory, our weekly trip inside opponents' territory. Two questions down, two to go for Joe, who's a contributor for Seattle Sports. Let's flip sides a little bit and talk about where the Seahawks are at middle linebacker. Unfortunately, the Rams go to Seattle this week uh, to face a Seahawks team that just lost their leading tackler and Bobby Wagner's replacement, Jordan Brooks, to an ACL injury. And Joe, this looks like one of those classic cases where the Seahawks get worse at two positions right because Cody Barton who's playing well moves from Will to Mike and whether it's Tanner Muse or someone else they have to step in and fill Cody Barton's shoes what does that mean for a Seattle defense especially one that struggled to stop the run yeah you know I think it's it's certainly a loss um, I would say I'm more in, in the camp of I think a lot of the tackles and numbers for Jordan Brooks is, is empty calories you know he, he doesn't have those those big-time negative plays, tackles for a loss. You know, like what you saw from, from Bobby in that Week 13 game against the Seahawks. You, don't, you just haven't seen those plays from Jordan Brooks. And so it's a loss. I don't think you are going to walk away from uh, Sunday's game, even if the Seahawks were to lose, saying, oh, man, if they would have had Jordan Brooks, they would have won that game. Now, again, you know, I don't mean to diminish a, a solid player being out, whatever, but – um, I think you'll be able to figure it out and be okay. It's still a game they should win. They're still almost a touchdown favorite uh, if you're looking at the spread. You know, it is interesting, and I want to I bring this up because I think it's important. The NFL is, is sort of maybe playing with the idea that it's possible the Rams could win this game, and certainly the entire league office is pulling for Los Angeles because all of a sudden that makes 
that Sunday night game between the Packers and Lions a win and end game, which would do just monster ratings. It's already going to do monster ratings. And that's why they made really a bold decision to make it the Sunday night game where they've usually been pretty consistent of they want an even playing field. They don't want teams to get an advantage of playing earlier or later than teams that, that have similar playoff implications uh, with them. And if the Seahawks win, the Lions are then playing for pride and just trying to be spoilers. So I can guarantee you Roger Goodell and everyone in the league office in New York is going to be putting their Baker Mayfield Rams jerseys on and hoping, hoping immensely that they can pull off the upset. I mean, it's interesting, too, from the Rams' standpoint, L.A. got a wave of support from Detroit last year, the, the Detroit Rams in support of Matthew Stafford for all that he had given the Motor City. And now there's the potential, as you described, for the Rams to repay the favor, so to speak. Um, but the, the converse is true, too, Joe. As you know, Seattle helped the Rams out by beating Arizona in Week 18 last year. And that allowed L.A. to kind of backdoor into that division championship and the home game on Monday night that came with it. I don't know what the opposite of repaying the favor is, but that's what the Rams are out to do, knocking out the Seahawks uh, this Sunday. Uh, Final question has to do with offense. And last week seemed to be the Seahawks' tight end game. Colby Parkinson's a local product uh, for us. It's been a while for him to break out in Seattle. But with an injured locket and DK battling Sauce Gardner, it looked like Geno Smith was able to execute his passing game through other means. What do you take forward from that for this Week 18 matchup? Well, I think in general, I mean, it's been a pretty, like, you know, if you look at the sum of the parts, it's been a pretty productive year for Seahawks tight ends. Um, you know, Noah Fant has, it hasn't been a monster year, but a steady contributor. Uh, Will Disley uh, had his moments before getting injured. And Coley Parkinson, I think, has flashed as well. And certainly they were the focal point. And, and the Seahawks, I mean, ran nothing essentially uh, from, you know, two tight end sets. I mean, they were heavy personnel all game long. And it was a beautiful game plan against the Jets. And Geno Smith in general is, and I think that's one area where they looked at, hey, Geno Smith, isn't Russell Wilson, although it is wild how much better he's been this year, uh, more than anyone could have ever expected. But if there was a point where if you're looking to be optimistic, you'd say, you know what, Gino isn't Russ, but he can probably operate over the intermediate middle, the short and intermediate middle, much better than Russell Wilson could to where, you know, if he's throwing over the middle, it's deep posts. Uh, Beyond that, he prefers the sidelines, and his passing charts uh, agree with that sentiment, where, you know, Gino has just been in. I think that helps when you're looking to get your tight ends involved, and and, yeah, between uh, Noah Fant and Colby Parkinson getting combined 10 targets, Colby scored. You also had Tyler Mabry get called up from the practice squad and caught a touchdown as uh, a third-string tight end. Yeah, I-, I think there is something to that, and I think you give Geno a lot of credit as well to say, hey, I don't have to force-feed DK against Sauce Gardner. I don't have to force-feed Tyler Lockett, who's playing through you know a broken finger. We've got plenty of targets here and some capable tight ends, and Noah Fant, really a gem in that Russell Wilson trade beyond the draft picks they received um, and he's just able to deliver it to him joe fan our guests on this finale of four down territory on rams all access joe i admire how you've uh, stayed true to seattle even as you've moved on with your career uh, your seahawks knowledge shines through wish you all the best in 2023 look forward to do it again next season if that's all right with you yeah i would love that jb always a blast catching up with you i appreciate you sir enjoy the call great season for you and enjoy your off season my man he's joe fan i'm jb long demarco far returns after this to finish out rams all access on 710 espn 
All right, the finale here in 2022, played in the new calendar year, is a trip to Seattle. The Rams and the Seahawks renewing their rivalry. Uh, DeMarco, I want to get Bobby Wagner back in this conversation before we hear from him about his homecoming. I want to get your reflections on just the fury that he and the Rams brought to that December contest against Geno Smith and Pete Carroll and the Seahawks the last time we saw this matchup. Spec, spec, nothing but respect for Bobby Wagner. But um, I remember those days, JB, when I was just a young pup coming in, and I would tell you stories about Jackie Slater, right? This is a dinosaur. He's older than my father, and I'm playing next to him. And how I learned how to hate Jim Everett. Like, whatever happened between him and Jim Everett happened well before I was a pro, but all I know is Jackie said, I must go get you. So that's that's what I have to do. Same with Bobby Wagner. Look, you're playing the Seattle Seahawks. Um, I don't think he even needs to say it. You show up on time to the meeting. Everybody take notes. On game day, you're going to be just as, just as psyched out as he is for, for the game. It's not that you want to lose. You don't want to lose to the Seahawks. You don't want to disappoint him. This is personal. This is personal. So – we're all together. He is a brother. We are going for it. So I can only imagine what it's going to be like for him going there. When you see him step out of character, Bobby has been Mr. Cool getting on the bus, getting off the bus. Now imagine if he's damn near crying on the way to the stadium. Imagine seeing what that looks like to you when this guy breaks character. Oh, you better bring all the heat you got, not just to beat the Seahawks, but for him. I wouldn't want to disappoint him. And he delivered with an interception and two sacks but it was more how he inspired those around him who at that stage of the season knew that they had nothing to play for the emotion that Jalen Ramsey and so many others played with the way that they stared down the Seahawks sideline on his behalf um, I agree with you that it it permeated the whole locker room and stepping out of character is an interesting way to categorize it because he is so stoic he is so compartmentalized uh, and he played it so close to the vest last time um, touting his own professionalism and his own control of his emotions but then you saw that it really did matter it mattered a lot to him on the field between the lines this time around now that we've seen that i don't think he can hide it or disguise it as yeah. much uh, so he was asked if he's going to be as animated this sunday as he was during the first game against the seahawks Again, I think it's. I think it was. Um, there was a reason for that, and I think it's different. It's, it's one. Like I'm pretty sure you played your family before in like basketball, golf, or whatever. Like when you play like your friend or like that person you met over there. You know, y'all playing. Y'all might talk a little trash. It is what it is. But when you playing your family member that you that knows your like deepest darkest secrets and know exactly what to say to you when you to make you feel some type of way and also you know you playing the organization that you felt gave up on you so it's it was warranted to be honest and then again I'm playing against people I know how to push their buttons too so I know exactly what to say to them to make them mad and I did that You've yes, got Bobby. brothers. You've got sibling <laughs> rivalry. I think this is right in your court, DeMarco. Yes, Bobby. Yes. I love that he's telling you. I love that he's letting you know he's not keeping this in. This makes this game so much more fun and interesting. It really does. But he's 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 right. Um, everybody has these little personal rivalries. Um, and th your own teammates may not know, but they'll know by your demeanor. Or, like you said, doing things that are out of character, how much this means to you. So whenever I would play guys that were from the Bay Area that I probably played against in high school, no one else on the Rams knew about this rivalry except for me. But they would see how I'm taken off or how serious I am and would go with me. Uh, quick movie reference. Have you seen The First Predator? 
movie with Arnold? Oh, yeah. Long, oh. Many moons ago, but yes. Do you remember the jungle scene? Yeah. When one guy shoots into the jungle and all of a sudden the other six just show up and start mo- They don't know what he's shooting at or who or what. They just know my guy's shooting that way. I'm mowing down forest with him. That's what this feels like right now. <laughs> don't ask me questions. Just show up. I love it. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> and I'm glad that Bobby used family to help explain his feelings because that helped me understand how you could say that he was like just staring down Pete Carroll pregame, mm-hmm. right? At SoFi Stadium, just staring down, just like there's just bitter vitriol but then can embrace and hug and accept the praise and give some out post game because those emotions that intensity and that love can only be understood in the context of family those that you're closest to right oh no doubt yeah that's the difference between a street fight and a living room brawl <laughs> and and this is the heaven and hell of the nfl because i'm sure pete carroll loves bobby wagner and loved him when he was there and told him i need you uh, you're my guy, you're my leader, and then one offseason it gets cold. i got to let you go. So wait a minute, I thought we were, but this is the business of ball. Wait a minute, and you thought I was done, and here I am, staring right back at you and across with, the field. Uh, family communication being what it is, sometimes those messages don't get delivered in a timely nor transparent manner, and feelings get hurt. Right? True, absolutely, yes. I have some things that come to mind, but I won't say, but yes. Family communication can sometimes be the wildest, especially when you're playing a game like football. So this is going to be fun. But the the crazy thing is he's going to get his roses. I would be shocked if the Seahawks fans don't acknowledge him. Oh, they're going to. No, I've been following Seattle media this week and their coverage of Bobby Wagner's return and just looking at some of the comments like their audience adores Bobby Wagner, misses him, uh, wants to pay tribute to him. Yeah, that ovation is going to be cool. It's something that I think I've said on this program before, too. Obviously, I want everyone to stay healthy and and be able to play all 17 games. But because this game fell at the tail end of the schedule, I was a little deflated going back to the summer and training camp and talking to Bobby Wagner like, man, this this is a long ways away in your age 32 season. Like, There's no guarantee you're actually going to get to step out onto that field uh, because we know plenty of Rams have fallen by the wayside along, along this gauntlet. But he's been there for every meaningful snap, and he'll be there again on Sunday. I think maybe he's playing for that. He could be playing for that one game. I mean, he's great. He's he's playing great football because he's great, but I'm just saying in the back of his mind. That was the light at the end of his tunnel that absolutely. he's been, been striving for. This and, is your opportunity to go back there for revenge. That's what I mean. I mean, I don't think he'll ever say that, but I'm sure when he's lifting weights in the offseason, he was thinking about this game and can't wait to get there. Yeah. There are a couple other Ironmen that I think are worthy of calling out here. I hope I don't forget any of them, but I think Jalen and Nick Scott are the other two on defense who have made every start. Ernest Jones has been at his side, but I'm talking about like true 17-game starters, not including specialists. And then on offense, Havenstein and Higby yeah. have been there for all 17. And Havenstein in particular, given the fact that I think 15 offensive linemen have played and 14 have started this season – that he's in position to be the only one of the original starting five who will be there for every start over the course of a brutal season. I See, the thing is, right, I mean, no matter how this season ends up, and in 10 years, who's going to talk about it? But I hope that things like this get pointed out about him and just the pride he takes in lining up and holding on to what was. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to be that guy that – I was here when it was here. I was here when it was down here. I'm going to be here when we repair this thing again. So same with Higby. I have that same feeling. Now, when you start talking about Jalen Ramsey and Nick Scott, you have to like 
save him from himself. Dude, I get it. You're tough. You're a missile. But you've got a shoulder. You've got backups. Come on out and stay out. Let the other guy take What DeMarco's talking about there is he goes to the charger side of the field the charger locker room because that's probably where the x-ray machine of is course. i'm assuming yeah to get checked out that's in the, the middle of last door. right yeah in the middle of last week's game and then comes back out to make another shoulder first hit uh to conclude that game and <laughs> and he's proving something to himself and to his teammates and to all of his free agent suitors but go ahead and continue your thought well, i mean and and more i mean there's bobby wagner out there and jalen ramsey i mean iron man he wants to be in that group i respect him for that but i mean Come on, man. You know, let the backup handle this, especially when you're clearly compromised. But the Rams, did I pull you off yeah, the Ramsey train of thought? I no, no, but okay. I, I was going to say, I mean, look, Jalen Ramsey is taking every snap. If if I want to be like him, then I'm going to take every, I'm going to stay out there until he comes off. Well, the guy's not coming off. So I get both sides of it. Not even when the other team punts. He's not That's what I've loved field. about Jalen's yeah. season is on fourth down, he's staying out there. He's over the top of a gunner and often riding that guy out of bounds. It's 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 incredible because number one, I think he is your best gunner protection. Like of anybody on that sideline that I would want to hold up somebody else's gunner, which are fast, quick guys. And oftentimes be, you put two Rams over yeah. the top of those guys to kind of sandwich them. I got one. With he's him, one. I'd, I'd say that's the guy. I want. If I was a punt returner, that's the guy I want on the field. But he's a starter. So you have to ask him if he's willing. Most guys would say no. I don't think you have to ask Jalen. I think he just went over and took the job. I think they probably asked him to stop, and he said no. Well, I mean, he there probably was said, a guy. Hey, can, yeah. we, can we get you off on fourth down? And he said no. Well, if you're a guy, if you're a young dude that actually earned that job, and you're on the field, and Jalen says, "Hey, come here, let me let me take this." That's an what, interesting angle. What are you going to do? Say no? There's like a <laughs> there's like a special teams ace or or like a deep reserve who's either up or down on game day, whether or not that role needs to be filled, and he's probably been down more often than not because. Jalen's got it. Yeah, you're sitting here bored because he wants <laughs> to play. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, the offseason awaits, DeMarco. Mm-hmm. And I think you and I have been holding on trying to get through all 17 games in 18 weeks. I hope it ends in a win. Whether or not it does, the conversation that starts after we get home from Seattle will be as compelling, maybe even more so than what we've covered the last few months. Man, this will be better than any drama on Netflix, what is about to happen. If if everything that we've talked about uh, actually comes to pass in the next few months, wow, this will be this will be the nerve center of the NFL as far as offseason talking points. There's a fork in the road upcoming. Absolutely. Uh, how else? The, the, it couldn't have ended any other way, right? You have to. I mean, eleven it, or twelve losses, absolutely. Within a calendar year, when you lift the Lombardi and take double-digit losses and are eliminated, what about Thanksgiving time? Yeah, there's going to be a lot of conversations. You, you're going to have to pick a lane, no doubt. Are, are you who you were in February, and can you get back to there, or are you a more realistic, more realistic version of what you are now? In which case. You got a long way to go. We will see, and this maybe there there are seeds of truth in in both camps. I, w- where we go from here will be very interesting. I'm looking forward to going there with you, though, Demarco. Thank you as always for being at my side. It's been another great year. Looking forward to traveling to Seattle, one of my favorite stops in the NFL, with you and with MJD, with Adam Bronstein, our great producer behind the glass, and thanks to all of you who have uh, I think proven your fandom uh, not just through the highest of highs, but through some really low lows this year as well. For DFAR, I'm JB. This Rams All Access, as always, on 710 ESPN.